welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. Hey, Kingdom Culture family. So great to see you. Happy Sunday. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our online experience. If you're new with us, say hi in the chat. Let us know where you're from. If you're from our community, we love you. Also, say hi in the chat. Let us know what's happening in your life, how we can support you, how we can pray for you in this time. I'm so excited as we continue our Heart Seasons series that we launched last week. And this is a series um, that leads up to our big year-end annual House of Hearts sacrificial offering. We do this as a culture, as a house, every year at the end of the year, around the second week of December. And this really helps Kingdom Culture end the year off strong and start the new year off even stronger. And we always, like you heard in the video, ask people to step out with us, but also believe for themselves something supernatural, something miraculous for the following year and attach their sacrificial gift to that. And so as you've already heard of what we were able to do in the video uh, and how we were able to designate your, your generosity last year, thank you again. It blows my mind every year, the generosity of our house. And I'm just so excited for how we were able to designate those funds. And so we're gonna be playing that video that you just saw for several weeks leading up to our next House of Hearts offering in December. So keep watch, uh, stay tuned. Maybe those that missed it this week because you came on a little bit later, you'll be able to see it next week. And so, so excited for today as we continue our series called Heart Seasons. I want to reread our key scripture out of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. You've probably heard this many times. It says this, keep vigilant, Watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter, white lies, and gossip. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. Watch your step, and the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither right nor the left. Leave evil in the dust. Basically, what we see in this translation is To watch over your heart is to control your tongue. Watch what you say. He says it like this. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter, white lies, and gossip. So really what it looks like to guard your heart is to watch what comes out of your mouth. To watch what overflows from your heart, which is expressed through your mouth, which we've heard last week for, you know, Matthew says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth will Speak And so as we continue this series, remember that the heart goes through many seasons. We're talking about heart seasons. We go through good ones, challenging ones, stretching ones, and ultimately the list goes on. Remember I said it last week, heart seasons are hard seasons. Write that down. Heart seasons are always hard seasons. And each week we're going to be addressing various seasons that the heart may be going through. Now, last week's message was titled Heart Exposure, and we talked about seasons of isolation. I really feel and believe that that was a word for us, uh, for so many of us living through what we're living through right now. It really is relevant to our lives right now. And if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. I really believe it will strengthen you and encourage you. We spoke in the beginning out of Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1, where it says this, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. We talked about how isolation is often, uh, or willful isolation is often selfish in its motive. 
And the writer says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise, wise judgment. We talked about how that wise judgment is really, really a, the, the definition of sound wisdom. When we isolate ourselves willingly, we literally come against what's wise in our life. And the Bible says, he who walks with the wise is wise. Why? Because if we walk with wisdom, it will rub off on us. If we walk with wisdom, we will also walk in wisdom. But when we aren't walking with anybody because we are in isolation, guess what ends up happening? We start to live foolishly without often knowing it. Now, I'm not talking about uh, isolation in the, in the in sense of solitary, going into a place of solitary or solitude, sorry, uh, with God, you know, having moments by yourself. I'm talking about willful isolation that's out of balance that eventually brings self-destruction and eventually is what the writer says, rages against sound judgment and sound wisdom. Now, this week I want to talk about something very, very small, and that's leaven, or in our modern terms, yeast, which is used in bread. Something I've spoken to, uh, or, or spoken on a handful of times over the last decade, but I want to just describe what leaven is or what yeast is. It's a substance, which is typically yeast, that is added to dough to make it ferment and rise. Leaven or yeast is a single-celled fungus that promotes fermentation. When put into bread dough, it produces carbon dioxide bubbles that cause the dough to rise. And so the reason why I wanted to give you a working definition, you know, we use it, obviously, if you make pizza. My wife, every Friday night, makes homemade pizza. It's the best pizza I've ever had, honestly, in my life. And she has to put yeast at the beginning to let the, the stuff rise before she starts working the dough. And then eventually the yeast gets worked into the dough and uh, becomes what we enjoy every single Friday. And that's an amazing uh, pizza crust and pizza night. So my kids love it. But um, Paul actually and Jesus both speak about leaven and yeast, but they speak about it in a different way. We see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. Speaking of sexual immorality, Paul the Apostle addresses the church at Corinth and says, hey guys, listen. You got some sexual immorality going on. You got some incest going on, which is what it really was. Um, and he says this, a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump. What he was saying is if you don't get rid of this little sin, if you don't deal with, even though it's in our minds, that's not really a little sin, but if you don't deal with the little over time, eventually it will corrupt everything. And really the context was this one individual who was committing incest, sexual immorality, eventually if this is not addressed, in a community, it affects the rest. It affects so many others because why? We are a body. Our strength becomes the person's strength that we're connected to. Our weakness ends up eventually becoming potentially a weakness of the person next to us if we don't deal with it. Paul also addresses it concerning false teaching in Galatians chapter 5, verse 9. You can read it talking about false teaching and he, he references uh, this as leaven, that false teaching is like leaven, that if you don't deal with it, eventually it will corrupt the whole part of you. Song of Solomon. Uh, Solomon references in chapter 2, verse 15, catch us the little foxes that spoil the vine, the little, the little things that creep in. If you do not uh, address them over time, there will be a spoiling of what was intended to be good. So don't ever forget that What's little can take over when it's not watched carefully. So here's the thing. Little by little, step by step, moment by moment, every choice after choice that we make, eventually, if it's negative, we will begin to self-destruct. The cause for this is never usually a massive move from the beginning. It's a slow rising of the influence of the leaven within that rises and takes over everything. It's not usually just one big decision that changes the game. It's the little leaven, the little things that get in that are not addressed over time. They get in and they begin to rise within us and take over all of us. But let's go a little deeper right now. Often in, and I want to go just in reference to last week's message uh, about seasons of isolation because it's in seasons of isolation that often provoke that rising, that negative rising from within. But I also want to propose this, that also it's not just a season of isolation that provokes this. 
It's a season of intense pressure where we are also most influenced to compromise who we are. Let me pray for you as we dive deep into this today. God, I pray that you would open up our eyes and open up our hearts to receive what you want to teach us today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would guide us into understanding, that you would enlighten our minds, you'd enlighten our hearts, you transform our very souls. I pray that in this moment, in this teaching today, God, that you would address some stuff in us, around us. I pray that, God, you would heal us. I pray that you would restore our thinking <clears throat> in the right way. In Jesus' name, amen. I really believe this today, that God is really going to restore your thinking in a lot of areas of your current life and what you're currently living right now. I, I, I'm teaching today, so I want to say this to get ready. Buckle up your seatbelt. I want to encourage you right now, wherever you are, get a pen, <clears throat> a pencil, a pad of paper, and take some notes. You're going to want to take some notes. This video will be I, I not useless to you, but it won't be as beneficial if you are not taking notes. So I want to encourage you, do whatever you got to do to get something to take notes on because I believe it's going to be, uh, there's going to be a lot of information a lot of revelation, a lot of insight that you're going to want to write down and a lot of scripture. I'm going to be extra uh, scripturally heavy today. So track with me. I'm praying that you follow along, you stay along on the journey with me. Okay. So let me just start this off. <clears throat> First of all, mindsets, attitudes, the ways that we think, and then how that influences our hearts are always the thing that we are wrestling up against. The war and the battle is always against our thinking. And if the devil or if the world can get our thinking, eventually, I believe this, the world or the devil can take your heart. See, this is why the writer says in Proverbs chapter 4 to guard it because there are things that are trying to get into the prison of your heart. That's why when you read this understanding of what it means to guard with all diligence, it's to guard as a prison ward would guard a prison. We need to keep our heart in a healthy spiritual prison, so to speak, not letting the things that would cause us to think different than the way God wants us to think get in to influence what then comes out of our lives, okay? And we're gonna break this down and dive into this a little bit deeper. So whether you are a believer in Jesus or not, uh, in this moment, it's, it's irrelevant. We are all, okay, in a battleground of warring and protecting what comes into our mind. We are all living on a battleground where we have to now protect what comes into our mind from affecting and influencing our heart from within. Okay, because that little bit of leaven, that little bit of whatever it is in your life, if you don't address it and it gets in, eventually it will rise within and affect everything around you and all that you, you are. And so we're talking about the power of something today that's so small and yet has the power to affect something so big in and through your life. Now let's look at one of the ways that Jesus looks at leaven, Matthew chapter 13. Verse 31, out of the Amplified Version. Let me read it to you, okay? Once again, track with me. It's gonna be a lot of scripture today. Take notes, write things that stand out to you. Make some comments in the, in the, in the, chat, in the chat. It's gonna be one of those Sundays. Listen to what Jesus says. He gave them another parable to consider, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Very small. The mustard seed is one of the smallest of seeds which a man took and sowed in his field, verse 32. And all of the seeds planted in the region, and of all the seeds planted in the region, it is the smallest. But when it has grown, it is the largest of the garden herbs and becomes a tree. So that the birds of the air find shelter in its branches. Now this, listen to verse 33 here for a second. He told him another parable. So these are, are connected, okay? He's, he, when he does this, he does it for a reason. He's connecting. He's building uh, sort of a, a, he's building waves of truth. It's like this wave of truth that he's connecting all these different thoughts, okay? Verse 33, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Everyone say leaven. It's like leaven, which a woman took and worked into three very, very important 
we look at the details of Y3, which a woman took and worked into three measures of flour until it was all leavened. And so Jesus here, he connects this idea of leaven and the kingdom. That's something so small, and, and, he, and he even connects it back to the mustard seed, that when it's planted, becomes the largest of all the herbs. The birds of the air will come and nest in its shade, that something that small, mustard seed, can, be something, can become something so large. And then he connects it to leaven, as a woman works the leaven into three measures of flour until all of it is leaven, what seems microscopic, what seems invisible even, what seems so small and inconspicuous, if you work it in, if you work it into the core of your life, eventually what will rise within is something great that everybody will want to come and taste, that everybody will want to come and see. Okay, so today I want to ask you this question before we launch into the message subject. What's rising within you in this season? What type of leaven, that's called spiritual yeast, is rising within you in this season? Do you feel something new, something good happening? Do you feel maybe something bad happening? Or maybe you don't know, you just know something is happening. Something is rising within you and you don't know how to navigate it. You don't know if it's good necessarily. You don't know if it's bad. You don't, you're not totally aware. I want to talk today about the leavens of influence. The leavens of influence, and I want to specifically deal with how the leavens of influence want to creep in during seasons of pressure. We're talking about the heart seasons of pressure. As we picked up, you know, as we as we talked about last week, isolation. I want to connect these two. If the, these two, I, I kind of feel like are a little bit married because oftentimes isolation goes with pressure. Not always, but often. Isolation comes with pressure. Often the reason why we isolate is because we feel pressure. And so rather than dealing with the pressure and working it out in our life, we go into isolation. So I'm kind of connecting these two. I'm building from last week talking about seasons of pressure. Now remember last week I mentioned this scripture out of Proverbs chapter 24 verse 10 saying this, if you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. If you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. Because pressure simply provokes, simply produces, simply magnifies what's already there. Pressure does not produce anything new necessarily. It actually reveals, it's a revealer of the kind of strength and foundation you already have. And so if you fall to pieces during crisis, usually it's because there was something missing within you. Hopefully, that is a provoking uh, thought to make sure that you don't just dig in your heels during crisis, but you dig in your heels during seasons of great grace and blessing where everything's good. Because if you don't, often we get relaxed in those seasons and we stop kind of developing our character, stop working on, on, on those, those inner struggles that we have. And then when crisis hits, it just magnifies the lack of foundation, the lack thereof of whatever it is that we need to actually move through whatever crisis we are facing. So I say this all the time. You've heard me say it probably hundreds of times. How do we get oil out of an olive? Well, we crush it every time. If you want to get oil out of an olive, you have to put pressure on the olive, you have to crush it to get what was already in there all along out of it, okay? So external pressure and intense influence actually ends up bringing whatever is within to the surface, to, mo or to, to provoke it to rise to the surface. Pressure, like I said, only provokes what's already there within us to rise like leaven to the surface. Unhealthy mindsets, hurt, pain, anger, hatred, Cracked belief systems all re reveal their ugly head often in seasons of pressure. Like yeast or leaven, mishandled pressure causes us to begin to surrender under an influence that's often not kingdom. But we, and this is the thing, you guys, we all have a bit of this within us. We all, all of us do. We all have stuff that we're working through, that we're working out, that we're developing. God is always developing and refining our character. 
So this is not just for a select few. We are all in this together. And when we are under seasons and in seasons of pressure, all kinds of things are happening. Now, the outcomes, let me just say this, the outcomes of mishandled pressure are great in number, but I wanna name a few, okay? Pressure has a way of, number one, causing us to compromise. Pressure has a way of creating unhealthy questioning in our lives. Pressure has a way of calling us out of our calling and place of influence. It has a way of derailing our focus. It has a way of causing and initiating total self-destruction. But pressure also has a way from a positive viewpoint or a positive perspective of producing God's purpose and his plans within us and ultimately propelling and pushing us forward. Now Luke 17, 21 says the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is within. Yes, it's around, it's tangible, but it's within. And this is always how it was meant to be. We are, we are transformed from the inside out, not from the outside in. What happens on the inside eventually reflects on what, about what's happening on the outside. That's why you can see somebody who's, who's dying in the hospital. Their organs are failing. You can see the reflection of what's happening on the inside in their outward appearance. You can see that they're sick, that they're about to die, that they're on their deathbed. This is why we need to take care of our insides. The kingdom is within. And when we, when we let that revelation rise like leaven within us, it takes over the whole lot of who we are. Now, when we handle pressure God's way, this is what happens. That kingdom within takes over. But we also, when we handle it not God's way, the things I just mentioned earlier are the outcomes of mishandled pressure. We we have, this is, but this is the truth. We have what we need in him. And I hear, I hear people all the time say things like this, like, you know, we, um, we, we, uh, I hear people all the time say things like this. God will never give us more than we can handle. God will never give us more than we can handle. They often say that and they reference the scripture. It's actually first Corinthians 10, chapter 10, verse, verse, uh, verse 13. But uh, it's actually a misquoted verse. It's out of context. And often people will say this to encourage people that are in crisis, per, encourage people that are under extreme pressure, encourage people that are going through a hard season in their life. And it's misquoted because in that scripture, Paul's actually talking about temptation, that God will give us a way out, and that God will never give us more than we can handle when it comes to temptation. You have to read the verses prior to that to really understand the Greek context of what Jesus was actually saying because in that met it was actually written in Greek and to understand it, you have to understand what was written before it because that word for temptation can mean a bunch of different things. So to, so to really understand what he was saying, you have to read what came before. And so he's talking about temptation. He is not talking about uh, um, you know God being this God who will never allow you to go through things that you cannot handle. In fact, the same writer who wrote this wrote, Paul, wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 to 9, saying this. He said this, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Do you hear that? We were crushed we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. We were crushed beyond our own ability to endure. And we thought we would never make it through this. Verse 9, it says this. In fact, we expected to die. <laughs> they had an expectation of death. There's no way... I'm getting through this season. There's no way I'm getting through this pandemic. There's no way my business is going to recover. There's no way I'm going to be able to, I can handle all this political war and, and all this stuff going on right now. There's no way I can handle this. I'm just too overwhelmed. But then this is what Paul says. But as a result, we stopped, listen to this, relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. We stopped. So, God will absolutely give you things that you cannot endure. He will absolutely give you seasons, allow you to go through seasons of pressure that, are, that you are not capable of handling. Why? So 
you can learn to let him handle it on behalf of you. This is the revelation that Paul had. So we could stop relying on ourselves. A lot of us think we are our own God. We can do it. Yet that will only take you so far. Here's the truth. When you go through crisis, God wants the steering wheel. God wants to drive your car through the storm for you. You've driven the car long enough. It's time to take a break, sit in the passenger seat, and let him show you what it looks like to get through a storm and come out on the other side stronger, better, and prepared for what he has for you. So now let me read out of Matthew 13. Like I said, I'm jumping around a little bit, but I'm building a scriptural construct for you. I want to create uh, uh, an insight for you in scripture. So, so just follow with, follow with me here. That's why I'm bringing you through these different scriptural loops right now. Okay, but I'm bringing it all to a point in a few moments here. Okay, Matthew 13. I read this in the beginning about the leaven of the kingdom. Okay, the leaven of the kingdom. But I want to talk about the other leavens that are trying to war against the leaven of the kingdom that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 13. So start taking notes if you haven't already started. Mark 8, verse 14 to 21. Listen to this. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Now context, they've already had two crazy um, uh, provision miracles when it comes to bread and fish. You know, 4,000, 5,000 people, which would have equaled tens of thousands because only the men were counted, not the children, not the women. So this, was, this would have been tens of thousands of people. It was a miracle. They didn't have enough bread. They were in front of a whole bunch of people. And the disciples were like, what do we do? And, and anyways, Jesus multiplied the bread in front of the disciples two separate times, two powerful uh, uh, bread multiplication, fish multiplication miracles. Okay, so that's the context. Now they're hanging out in a boat, okay? And this is what he says. The disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Verse 15, this is out of Mark 8. Then he charged them saying, take heed, beware. This is a warning. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now he's speaking metaphorically here. He's speaking symbolically here. Obviously, the Pharisees, which is a religious sect, and Herod, which represents something that I'm going to get into in a few moments, uh, which represents actually the political uh, sphere. It represents the rational thinking, logic, humanism. I'm going to break this down in a second, okay? So just bear with me here. Pharisees representing religion and, and more. I'll break that down more. He's obviously speaking metaphorically here because both of these these sex or specifically Herod as an individual. And we know what Herod, what King Herod was all about, you know, by seeing how Jesus ended up being crucified. But these two uh, uh, groups of people represent something very significant for us. He said, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reason among themselves saying, is it because we have no bread? But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, why do you reason that you have no bread? Because remember, they just done two crazy miracles with the multiplication of bread and fish. And so why would they be struggling again when this miracle just happened? Like, you know, really just, just happened. Like, why would they be thinking this? Obviously, they were missing it. Jesus was speaking and trying to open up their eyes to see something a little bit deeper. Do you not yet perceive, Jesus says, nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven of the four for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. Verse 21, so he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? In other words, you're looking at the outside, the bread, all you have is this, but I'm looking a little bit deeper. What made that bread rise? What was used to make that bread? What was used to make what you enjoy? What was within that bread? I want to get, I want, I want to, get you to look past the surface and past the external and past the outward, and I want you to look inward, but they could not get it because they were focusing on the outside. Now, 
I'm gonna break this down. Number one, if you're taking notes, the first leaven of influence that I wanna address that comes at us during seasons of pressure is the influence of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees, okay? Now I'm gonna read two different accounts, okay? So Mark 8, 15, I just read it for you, says he charged them saying, take heed, beware, Jesus speaking to his disciples, of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. He's talking about mindsets. He's talking about influence, little microscopic influences as yeast and as leaven is that eventually leavens the whole lump. Beware of the little things that creep in, the little foxes that creep in that eventually leaven the whole lump. Now let's read Matthew's account of the same storyline, okay? Matthew 16, verse five to six. Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Same situation, different perspective, different angle. Then Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Okay, and then I'm going to skip over to verse 11. How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Verse 12 kind of elaborates a little bit more as to what he's talking about. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread, specifically, but of the doctrine, okay, the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So we have to understand now, to understand what he means by this, what is the teaching or what is the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? First of all, Pharisees and Sadducees were sects within the religion of Judaism, okay? And the Pharisees held very tight to the Mosaic law and the oral law. The Pharisees, in a lot of ways, could represent legalism, the tradition, self-effort, and even self-righteousness, okay? They claimed that God gave Moses to give more detail to his demands of the Israelites. They wanted to add burdens on people. They wanted to add more mandates, more rules, more regulations. Jesus argued with the Pharisees several times about their habit of putting man-made traditions above the needs of the people. You can read about it in Mark 2, Mark 3, Mark 7. Now the Sadducees, okay, now the Sadducees, everything I'm going to share today, the first two points, are kind of interconnected, okay, and they play on each other, but just hear me break down the individual stuff for you first, okay. The Sadducees rejected the oral law, which was actually a good thing, but welcomed the influence of Greek and Roman culture which was bad. So there was an element of worldly influence. And this is kind of interconnected with Herod. There was a level of worldly influence. They, they actually tended, they were the ones, the Sadducees, they actually didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe. They had some really whacked out doctrine. They didn't believe in some mainline things, okay? Now, they tended to seek positions of power in the secular realm. Well, of course, they didn't believe in the resurrection, but they, they, they sought positions of power in the secular realm and usually controlled the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was made up of really four groups, and it was the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, okay, some of the priests, and really the Herodians in a, in a, of sorts, okay? And I'll get to that later on, okay? So the name Sadducee actually means righteous ones, but really it was, um, it was a self-righteousness full of and energized by false teachings, like I said, they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead, so therefore they, 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 they were on a different playing field than the Pharisees, but yet kind of uh, in bed together, so to speak, okay? And Luke 12, verse 1, you can read that as well. Jesus as well, he actually warns again. He says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and defines the reason why, saying because of their hypocrisy. So we can look at the Pharisees, we can look at the Sadducees, and we can kind of clump them in together at some level and say that this is representing hypocrisy. It represents double standards. It represents um, false teaching, doctrine. It represents uh, a legalism of sorts. It represents which legalism, one definition of legalism really is um, uh, 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 an obligation or the stress of obedience without really relationship and you're just doing it because you think it's all about your outward behavior at the expense of your inward health, okay? That really is one way we could define legalism. I might go into that a little bit more if I have time. 
But these guys, both parties, were too concerned with the externals. They were so concerned about the ceremonies, the way things appeared, the outward appearance. You know, everything had to be washed 10,000 times. It was like all these ceremonial washings had to go on. And Jesus came on the scene and flipped all of this on its head. All their traditions on its head. All their man-made traditions, self-efforts, works on their head. This is why, they, this is why he, he was a threat. Jesus was a walking threat to this whole paradigm, okay? And this is why he's warning the disciples. So, like I said, we have all these different things that Pharisees and Sadducees represent. I said legalism, for example, really could be defined as stress and obedience apart from faith, okay? Apart from the inner working of faith. It's the outward behavior to somehow find inward satisfaction, okay? Um, and inward acceptance. The leaven of influence, if, if I was to give one word to this leaven that we're talking about that is represented in the Sadducees and the Pharisees, I would say religion, okay? Religion. What's one of the topics that causes the most fights around a Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner room table? Religion. World religion. What's the right religion? What's the wrong religion? And you know, when I talk about religion, let me just give you a definition from the Latin. It actually is to bind or it is to live under obligation. Jesus came not to put more obligations or to bind people further to a law. He came to fulfill the law, to lift the burden that we could never fulfill and carry on our own, to introduce relationship. So when I talk about religion, let's talk about it from the vantage point. Jesus came to flip the religious system on its head to introduce a new way, a better way, a better covenant, a more glorious covenant, and that's called relationship with the creator of the universe. You were created to know him and to make him known. This is what we're talking about. So when we talk about religion, we're talking about these obligations, these rules, these regulations that produce nothing but sin. Jesus came to eradicate sin by fulfilling the law to separate that sinful nature from. You can read it in Colossians, the first three chapters of Colossians, very clear about what Jesus came to do to circumcise us spiritually to set us free, okay? Now, track with me. I'm still building here, okay? So like I said, he flipped religion on its head. The unfortunate reality is I think all of us would agree that we don't want that. We don't want more obligation. We want relationship. We want to do things out of a good place. But here's the thing. The more modern version today of a religious spirit manifesting in and through our lives is when we become so anti-something, we become that very something. We become so anti-religious we become religious. Some people call it the anti-religious religious spirit. We don't even know we're under the influence of it. It's like leaven that creeps its way in and we're so against something that we end up standing in our own judgment of that something and actually begin to reflect it and don't even realize it. It's like the person that has bad breath that doesn't smell his own breath but everyone else around him can smell it. It's this deceptive leaven that comes in and creeps in over time that corrupts the whole part of our being, okay? And so, like I said, this is why we go back to Romans or Proverbs chapter four. We gotta protect our heart. We gotta protect what comes from within because what comes within actually can be a lot of bad things. And if we don't guard our heart, what comes out of us is, will be a reflection of really what is rising within us in, its, in, in great influence. And I want to read now out of Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, verse 10 to 20. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. Listen, he said. I love that, listen. Don't just hear me, I want you to listen. I want you to lean in and try to understand, he said, verse 11. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. Because he's addressing, once again, the outward. Everyone's focused here, the Pharisees. You guys are all focused on the outward. Focused on doing all this outward stuff. Outward stuff. Focusing on these ceremonial washings. you got to clean the pot 10 times, 20 times, 30 times before you take part. He's saying this. He rebukes them and says this. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words. Once again, I talked about in the beginning how words are often a reflection 
of a guarded heart. So not controlling your tongue really it just shows what's within, that's rising within. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth, verse 12. Then Jesus, then the disciples came to him and asked, do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Do you realize that, so this it, it's, it's strange to me because it's, uh, you, you, you can be so deceived to think that it's all about the outside when to me it's very obvious that if your heart is full of wickedness, is full of lies, but you're acting like it's not, if you li are living in a double standard but you're acting like you're not, it's crazy that the Pharisees would even get offended by that because to get offended by that is to say that it's okay that I'm like that because Jesus also in other passages rebuked them and said, you are whitewashed tombs full of dead man's bones. Basically, you're the biggest hypocrites on the planet. You have the appearance of awesomeness, but inside you, you are totally uh, destroyed. Inside you are dead. Inside there's nothing with, there's no life within you. There's hypocrisy, double standard on all fronts. Jesus said this. Now it says here, the disciples said, do you not, because they could feel it. They could feel the tension in the room. You could cut it with a knife. Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Verse 13, Jesus replies, every plant not planted by my heavenly father will be uprooted. So ignore them. I love that. I mean, I, I think this is a great thing to know and learn in this day. We need to ignore some of the things that are around us right now, the chatter around us because it has no value and positive reinforcement or influence for us down the line. Ignore them, he said. They are blind guides, guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. Verse 15, then Peter said to Jesus, explain to us this parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. Verse 16, don't you understand yet, Jesus said. Verse 17, anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak from your heart. Now, let me just hone in on this verse, okay? Like I said in the beginning, he says that it's not what comes into you that defiles you. It's what comes out of you that defiles you. He then says, but the words you speak that are coming out of you come from the heart. Where do they come from? The heart. Why do we need to guard our heart? Because these words, these poisonous words come from the heart. And that's what defiles you. Then he breaks it down in verse 19. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. Where does it come from? From the heart. Why do we need to guard it? Because these things, if not handled properly in seasons of pressure, these things will rise within you like yeast, like leaven, and eventually corrupt the whole part of you. And this is what God, I believe in this season, especially in this season, wants us to be aware of. What's coming at us has the power to rise within us in influence. Verse 20 says this, these are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. I love how the Passion Translation says the same verse in chapter 15, verse 18. I'll read this one, one part of it. It says, but what comes out of your mouth reveals the core of your heart. Words can pollute. Really reveal, whatever comes out of your mouth reveals the core of your heart. And so in the end, Jesus, let's just stay on this. Number one, there's the influence of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This religious influence that's represented in hypocrisy, legalism, self-righteousness, works for approval, for, for, for inward acceptance, focus on outward behavior, all about the outside, not about the inside. And this is what Jesus is warning his disciples about. I think we can see this everywhere in this season. I think it's very obvious of the war that's happening over religion right now, the war that's happening and he's right and she's wrong and she's right and she's wrong. And all these, these battles and these, whether it's social media or whether it's in person or whether it's uh, through other various means, this has been a war since the beginning of time. And religion has a way of doing that. And it's all about proving to the other that you're right and they're wrong. And this is what Jesus is warning us about. Don't let that leaven be the leaven that rises within you. And then number two, 
Okay, the second leaven I want to talk about is the influence of Herod. The influence of Herod. We see it in Mark chapter 8, verse 15 again. Take heed, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, like I said, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and Herod are kind of interconnected, okay? And I'm going to elaborate a little bit on that. Now, Herod represents, we could say easily he represents worldliness, he represents this political power, this political influence. He represents rational thinking. He represents sort of a humanistic approach to life. He represents independence from a higher power, okay? Uh, a deity. He represents a, an independence from God. Now, the Herodians, to understand why it's not just about uh, Herod as an individual, we have to understand the Herodians. The Herodians were a sect of Hellenistic Jews, okay? And they are mentioned throughout the, two, the, the, the New Testament on two separate occasions, first in Galilee and later in Jerusalem. And they were known to be very hostile to Jesus, okay? And I don't know about you, but I see this everywhere right now. It seems like the world is hostile towards each other. The world is infighting, backbiting, I mean, uh, uh, coming at, confronting in a not so healthy way. And, and destroying, creating division. The world, you guys, is coming at so many people right now. And I just see the leaven of Herod all over the place. It's the worldly, rational, like logical. That, and I'm not, talk, I'm not saying it's bad to be logical. I'm not saying it's bad to be rational. I'm talking about when you put and you put the kingdom of heaven and the leaven of the kingdom and weigh that against the leaven of Herod, okay? It, it's totally the polar opposite. Like we teach all the time. Faith is not rational. Faith is not logical. You cannot think your way into faith. You cannot think your way into um, salvation. You cannot think your way into a relationship with God. No, we are saved by grace through what? Faith. We walk by faith faith, not by sight. Sight is the rational. Sight is the logic. It makes sense. Let's say if you want to live kingdom, if you want to live kingdom, you cannot live influenced by what I'm talking about here. The opposite, the leaven of Herod. You cannot be under its influence if you want to live kingdom. It's totally the opposite of what we're talking about. But I'm just breaking it down for you, what the leaven of Herod represents. And you can see more about this in Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 12, Matthew 22, Mark 8, 15, like I just read, Luke 13, Acts 4, okay? Other, uh, uh, others argue that the Herodians were also probably, listen to this, a political party. Now, I know this may sound controversial right now, but here's the reality, okay? Here's the reality. The kingdom is called to be the most influential mindset in your world right now. As soon as you start entertaining, and I'm not saying uh, there's a healthy version of letting and engaging. Of course, we're called to engage politics. I'm, I'm a firm believer. My whole ministry was built on this premise of raising up Daniels. That's why the school of Daniel started in the beginning of our whole ministry to see Daniels raised up, Joseph's raised up in positions and platforms of power to influence. And I mean, Daniel served some nasty kings, you guys. Nebuchadnezzar, Darius, Cyrus, I mean, Cyrus, he, he served some nasty kings, four in fact, and yet he was promoted, and yet he lasted over 60 years, and yet he was so respected, even though his values were very different than all the king's values, they saw something different about Daniel and said, I don't know about this guy, he has the Hebrew God, the God of all gods, I don't necessarily align with that, I don't necessarily even believe that, but he's proving that he is legitimate credible, trustworthy, faithful, stable. And so I'm going to keep promoting him and I'm going to let his leaven, the leaven of the kingdom rise within my kingdom, even though there's a clash. This is what we are called to do, you guys. This is how we're called to position ourselves. And so, but I can see this right now, the religion, and I can see the leaven of this political spirit coming in and trying to rob us of living out kingdom life in our life. The leaven of the kingdom that's called to rise within us. Now let me continue to break this down a little more, okay? Scribes, 
and Herodians were not religious sects, okay? This is why they were a little bit distinct. Scribes were scholars and lawyers who studied and interpreted the Mosaic law. And there's a reason why I'm breaking this down because they're all interconnected. Some but not all scribes were also Pharisees. If scribes, and this is what uh, one commentator writes, if scribes were amplified Pharisees, then Herodians were amplified Sadducees. And this is why I said there's, there's an interconnection happening between these people. And all of these people with the priest made up the Sanhedrin, which was a governing body, okay? This is very important we understand this. And like I said, scholars believe that the Herodians were actually a political party, okay? And so the reason why I share this is because we see the ramifications of this broken down even more in Luke chapter 11, verse 52 to 54, where Jesus rebukes the lawyers, he rebukes the scribes, okay? And once again, connected to the Pharisees, but also interconnected with everything I just explained with the Sadducees and the Herodians, okay? Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. What does that even mean? You've taken away the key, there's some sec special secret key. You've taken away the key of knowledge. It says this, he explains it. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in you hindered. Verse 53. And as he said these things to them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him about many things. Listen to this. Lying, this is what this spirit does, okay? This is what this leaven does when it creeps in. Lying in wait for him, Jesus, and seeking to catch him in something he might say that they might accuse him. I don't know about you, but there is a spirit of accusation that's plaguing the world right now. Everybody is waiting, every news outlet, all kinds of people that are letting all this influence in are just waiting to pick apart, start a fight by finding one word, one key thing, one thing that maybe wasn't said the right way to attack, to go after. This is what they did to Jesus. It says they're, they were lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something he might say that they might accuse him. This is what happens when that leaven comes in. This is what happens. And let me just break down a little bit this passage because I, I referenced it, but I want to make sure I bring some clarity on it. What he's doing here is he's rebuking them and saying, you've robbed people's ability now to actually get to know me experientially. Because this word for knowledge, the key of knowledge is a knowledge by experience. So these scribes, these lawyers, these Pharisees have stolen away the key of knowledge. What do keys do? They unlock doors. You have robbed the ability for people, the average person now, to open the door to relationship with me. You've robbed their ability to open the door to an experiential relationship with me because of your rules, because of your regulations, because of all the influences, that leaven, that, that what's rot, what rose within you, all the slander, all the worldliness, all that stuff that's crept in, the legalism, the religious jargon, all this stuff, the focus on the outward behavior, all that has come in and taken the key away of knowledge, the experiential knowledge of knowing me, and now as a result, they can't enter in through the door of grace because of the burdens you've placed on them, because of the infighting, because of the backlash, because of the unnecessary controversy, and as a result, he says this, you yourselves are not even able to enter in. Not only have you robbed other people, but you've robbed yourselves of coming into the door of relationship because of what you're, you're so focused on everything out here external and you've forgotten, which is why Jesus rebuked the religious many times. And it's actually a prophecy even in Isaiah. He says, woe to you, your hearts are far away from me. You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are disconnected. You, once again, it's the outside versus the inside. You're so focused on the outward, but inside you're dying. Inside it's hypocrisy. Inside it's double standards on all sides, on all, on all fronts. So I want to continue on here. Like I said earlier, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, the lawyers, the, uh, the Herodians, they all have something in common in their belief system. And that is Jesus poses a threat to the very balance and equilibrium of their life and of their whole world. And so this is the reality because they make up 
what was called the Sanhedrin, and they're interconnected, which was the Jewish governing body. It was them that turned Jesus over to the Romans to be crucified. That's why it's so important we understand this. Jesus sat in a boat for a moment and said, listen, there's a kingdom that's so great. Luke 17, 21 is within you. When you let that rise and take over, man, you can do the impossible. When you let that take over your world, you can do things and see things that you would never dream of. But I want you to be aware, there's two other leavens, leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees and the leaven of Herod that want to get in, that want to influence your mindsets, that eventually will become like yeast and leaven that will rise within you. Like he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, Paul said it, a little bit of leaven, leavens the whole lump. Watch out. It's trying to get in. Your mind is being warred against right now, but I want the kingdom. I want the best leaven of influence to influence everything you do. And that's the kingdom within Luke 17, verse 21. I want this because when this gets in, guess what? It might be the smallest of all seeds. Remember, he likened it in Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that was sown in a field. But after it's watered, after it's nourished, guess what? It grows to become the largest herbs of the largest of all the herbs of the earth. And now people come to you, nest in your shade, eat the fruit off your branch. That that's the kind of leader I want to produce in you. I want the kingdom to be the, the greatest level of influence in your life. But you need to know there are two other leavens that are warring for your soul right now. And especially in a time right now where there's political uprise and, and all kinds of pressure on all sides. Guard your heart because out of your heart will come all kinds of stuff that you regret. All kinds of stuff that you don't want to do that will actually be what defiles you. And, bring you, and, bring, and brings you down a path that really you don't want to go. I want to talk about the last leaven, number three. It is the influence of the kingdom. The leaven of influence of the kingdom. As I mentioned in the beginning, I don't think I have to read it again, but I will. Matthew 13, Matthew 13. And I'm just going to read the last part of it, verse 33. It says, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman took and worked into three measures of flour until it's all leavened. Let me read it in one more translation in Matthew 33 or 13 verse 33 out of the Passion translation. It says, then he taught them another parable. Heaven's kingdom realm can be compared to yeast that a woman takes and blends into three measures of flour and then waits until all the dough rises. I want to bring it back to the beginning question I asked you. What is rising within you in this season? What is rising within you? The kingdom does not come from without to transform, it comes from within to transform, Luke 17, 21. I said this earlier in the beginning that the number three is very powerful. From a Hebrew you know, numerology standpoint, the number three represents resurrection life. And so when it says that the woman worked three measures of flour into the leaven, this actually would have been able to feed, according to the breakdown of what it would have been in that time, 300 people. That number is significant, and I'll tell you why. Because every letter of the Hebrew alphabet that, that has a number attached to it. And the 21st number, the 21st number of the Hebrew alphabet is the, the number Sheen, okay, number Sheen. And it actually has a number of 300 attached to it. And I want to break down what this number is because there is a significance in the reason why the parable, because once again, a parable is like a treasure map. There's all kinds of interesting mysteries on this treasure map that you have to understand. There's layers of truth in a parable that we have to dive in to understand. There's a reason why it, three, it was three measures of flour into the leaven. There's a reason why it was 300 people that you could feed. Like I said, 21, the 21st letter of the Hebrew alphabet is Sheen, and it's attached to the number 300, and it means this, divinely appointed period of time. It means the number connected to the children of promise. It means supernatural victory over the enemies, including death. It means the number connected with death, burial, and the resurrection of the Messiah. It signifies the final blood sacrifice made by the perfect Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Why is this important? Because all these things are a direct result when the leaven of the kingdom gets worked into your life. The leaven of the kingdom gets worked over three times into your life. Three measures of, 
spiritual flower in your life, when that happens, guess what? You're going to have victory over your enemies, the things that are coming against you right now, the challenges, the obstacles. You're going to have resurrection life. You're going to know that you are divinely appointed for this time in this hour. It signifies death, burial, and resurrection, new life, great life. It signifies the children of promise. It's a reminder to you that when, when this kingdom leaven overwhelms your life and leavens the whole lump of your life, guess what? You're going to have a confidence in who you are and the promises of God over your life. This is why it's so important. And it was the first time that leaven was mentioned in the New Testament. And we call this the law of first mention. Pay attention to whenever something's mentioned for the first time. Very important. Jesus introduces the most important leaven of influence, and it's the leaven of the kingdom. Although it feels small, although it feels insignificant, those 12 disciples that he was mentoring, that he was pouring his life into for over three years, man, at times felt insignificant. But guess what? It was those 12 that changed the course of our world as we know it. It was those 12, out of those 12, that introduced and launched the church, the great ecclesia as we know it today, introduced in Acts chapter 2. It was those 12 that literally have been continuing to have an impact in our lives to this day. Is 12 small? Absolutely. But the kingdom in 12 people leavening their whole lives, guess what now is leavening the world. And God wants us to be those kind of people in this season that rise up and affect the political realm for positivity and, and, and kingdom living. Want us to affect the religious mountain in a way that transforms it. God wants us to affect culture. We are called to be cultural changers, cultural transformers, not called to be the opposite, to be transformed by the culture, but to transform the culture. And so my prayer for you today, that you would let the leaven of the kingdom rise within and overtake every area of your life so you can see the purposes of God, the plans of God fulfilled in and through your life in Jesus' name. There's a reason why it says in John 6, verse 35, and Jesus replies to them, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will never be hungry. And the one who believes in me as savior will never be thirsty. For that one will be sustained spiritually. There's a reason why. Because he came down. But he came down under an influence. Under the influence of the father. The kingdom within was like leaven. Had leavened all of him. All of him. So he could be the leaven of the earth. He could be the leaven of the kingdom on behalf of all of us for this earth. He could be the leaven that was investing into these 12 that changed the world. It was the very bread himself. Jesus talked about bread, but he was the bread. He wanted people to see bread like his disciples as they would see him. Don't just look on the outside. Look on the inside. Look what's in me. I'm about my father's business. I am motivated. I am energized. I am led by the Holy Spirit every day. Watch what motivates me. Watch what rises within me. This is the call for all of us in this season. And he finishes it with in verse 40 of chapter 6 of John. This is my Father's will and purpose, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him as Savior will have eternal life, and I will raise Him up from the dead on the last day. I want to encourage you today. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you've never let him into your life. I want to encourage you to get off the fence of indecision today. We are in an hour where if there was ever an hour, I believe during a quarantine season that God wants to introduce himself as father to you as leader to you, as guide, as lover of your soul. He wants to introduce himself as friend. He wants to introduce himself as the very one that will transform and change your life for the better. It says in Romans 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. And I want to encourage you today to say yes, to open up your heart, maybe for the first time, or maybe you're coming back to him. Maybe you're saying, I, I, I've been just overwhelmed I've been taken out by all this influence in the world right now, and I just want to get back to simplicity. I want the leaven of the kingdom to be what rises within me in this season. I don't want hatred to rise within me. I don't want that defilement. I don't want that immorality. I don't want that slander to rise within me, that anger. I want the kingdom. I want the fruit of the kingdom to rise within me. I want that gentleness, that humility, that patience, that kindness. I want that truth to rise within me in this season. If that's you, 
and you want to say yes and you want to lean in and begin that relationship, I want to encourage you just to say, yes, Jesus, I believe that you're God. I receive your forgiveness. And today is a new day. I'm beginning relationship with you. Not religion. I'm joining a relationship. If you said that, if you opened up your heart for the first time, or maybe you're coming back to him, we want to hear about it, please email us at prayer at kingdomculture.ca, and we would love to be a part of your journey. For the rest of us watching, I want to pray one last thing over us. I want to pray, and I want to believe that right now, God is just going to deliver some of us right now. God's going to deliver us of some of the slime that's on us right now from what's happening in the world right now, the heaviness, the pressure, this pressure season that seems to be provoking things within that we don't like maybe about ourselves or whatever the case may be for you. I wanna pray that if you've heard one thing today, my prayer is that you would just hear this, that it's God's will for you. The leaven of the kingdom will be the thing that rises the most within this season. Not anger, not hate, not slander, not immorality, of the kingdom. And so Jesus, I pray right now that you'd overwhelm everybody watching. I just, I want to encourage you, lift your hands right now, wherever you are. I pray that God, you would be at the forefront in this season. Jesus as the centerpiece of our life. We receive your instruction today about being aware and being, being weary of, or wary of these other leavens of influence. We want your influence, God, to take over. We want your leaven to leaven the whole lump of our lives in this season in Jesus' name. I pray that you deliver us, God, from fear, deliver us from insecurity, deliver us from a focus on the outward when it's all about the inward. God, I pray that you would illuminate our understanding today. God, I pray that you'd heal us right now. God, I pray that those that are watching, that are just going through what feels like hell, that you would heal them right now, restore them, give them new confidence, strengthen them, God, overwhelm them with your love in such a way through your grace that it would empower them and enable them to keep on going when they want to quit, to keep on moving when they want to stop in Jesus' name. God, I pray that we would be more known for what we are for than what we are against. God, I pray that we would be for your kingdom, that people would begin to chant and almost celebrate the good news more than all the bad news. It's so easy to come against all the bad news all the time. But God, I pray that we'd be more for the good news of the gospel in this season that you've set us free for the purpose of influence, not for the purpose of passivity, but for the purpose of influence in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hey, God bless you, kingdom culture. My prayer is that this message encouraged you. I pl I, I'm praying that it restored some things in you aligned and illuminated some perspectives in you. I simply just conveyed scripture to you today and I'm hoping and praying the Holy Spirit reveals to you how you can continue letting his kingdom be the, the, the kind of leaven that influences your life the most in a time where it's pretty hard and challenging. God bless you guys. I love you all. Can't wait to see you next week.